Hey, it's your host, April. This show, The High Guide, talks about altered states of consciousness brought on by cannabis and psychedelics and is intended for audiences 21 and over. If you've been listening to the show for a while and you like what you hear, please leave us a rating, a review, or a heart wherever you listen to podcasts. And lastly, I'm not a medical professional. If you are experiencing any mental or physical health concerns, please seek a licensed medical professional. This podcast discusses cannabis and is intended for audiences 21 and over. The High Guide presents Psyched Audio in partnership with Patchworks. I'm your host, April Pride. This is the integration episode following last week's journey, which I actually completed this week on Halloween, and I'll share more about my potent plant of choice, as well as dosage, set, and setting later in the episode. First, let's listen to my interview with the audio composer behind the High Guide's very first episode of Psyched Audio. You know, I want music to make me feel something. And also the things that I create, for me, it's like, it's an invitation to come into my world in a way, right? I create this world and I want you to be part of it. I wanted to work with you because I knew you knew more about audio than I did, <laughs> hands okay. down. Not only from um, how do we do this, what does this, I was going to say, what does this look like? What does this sound like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But also I firmly believed that it was about the person creating the sound and how their energy would connect with the person listening. That's why I asked my friend, Tom Butcher, who you just heard from at the top of the show to help bring psyched audio to life. The exact reason is because he and I have enjoyed many nights under the influence, surrounded by great music and equally great friends. There was a particular moment on the dance floor in a basement club with a concrete floor where we both danced like forever to this DJ who loved 90s R&B almost as much as Tom and I. <laughs> Tom is a lifelong music maker and disciple. After working on AI-generated audio at Microsoft Music, he followed his passion and co-founded Patchworks, a Seattle-based electronic music retail store, both brick and mortar here in Seattle, as well as online. Listen as Tom shares a bit about the electronic music enthusiasts who visit Patchworks. A lot of people just want to have fun and play, right? That's actually the majority of, of what we... Um, of our customers and hey, you know what? That's me too. <laughs> you know, right. I want to. I want to have fun and play and, and get into a sonic world, and we can help with that. We say our mission is to connect people with joy through the expression of electronic music. So it's really about the connecting with joy. That's the that's the main thing. And the same mission holds true for the first episode of Psyched Audio that aired last week. Tom composed a piece intended to connect listeners with joy. While under the influence of plant medicine for our work here at the High Guide, of course, Tom is the person that made this happen for us all. And I want to heartfully and humbly thank Tom for hearing my idea, getting the vision, and getting behind it. Where do psychedelics and electronic music intersect? Yeah, well, I, I do think there's a interesting affinity with electronic music and psychedelics. Um, you know, if you go back and look at the first acid test parties, um, Don Buchla was present, and he was one of the innovators of electronic music instruments. He created the Buchla music synthesizer. So, you know, the general high-level view of what a synthesizer does is it creates sounds from electricity, 
you know, whereas a traditional instrument creates sounds through uh, vibrating air. It actually started with the invention of the microphone and the speaker, the loudspeaker, which are essentially the same idea. Um, there being, there's a transducer that vibrates the air or vibrates in turn with the air. And there's a little um, coil around a magnet, essentially. And the vibration of the air gets translated into electrical current. So that's what enabled the telephone, it's what enabled all this technology. But along the way, someone uh, decided, hey, or had the idea, well, what if we just use something to generate tones? And that very pure tones can be really just amazing to listen to. And you don't get that from anything else except a synthesizer. Hmm. You know, you can, so like acoustic instruments have very rich harmonic profiles that allows you to distinguish this is a guitar, this is a piano and so forth, just by hearing a few microseconds or milliseconds of it. But, you know, if you listen to a sine wave, it by definition has none of those harmonics. It's just the one tone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the purity of that, I, I find like a lot of, you know, it's spiritual in a way. It's so pure. There's nothing. In fact, there's a, a French uh, mathematician, Fourier, who basically invented all this digital signal processing that everything um, you know, uses today, whether your cell phone or all this electronic stuff. But it's the idea that any tone, any signal can be comprised of different layers and different frequencies of that one sine wave. So everything in audio is built from that. So to listen to that purity, it's like that, that is it. That is the essence. That's the universe. So the I mean, I'm looking at like five synthesizers behind you. And that's probably, those are probably just the ones I can see, right? Yeah, that's right. I'm down here in my music studio, which I have in my basement of my home. And um, yeah, I started collecting synthesizers when I was a teen. What is the difference between them? They all have their own character. Uh, you know, and the way I thought about it, building my studio over the years was I wanted to have the widest palette of colors to paint with, you know, and they all have their own personality as well. What makes it an instrument, what makes me want to, you know, pull up next to the thing and play it for hours. Again, the way I like to think about it is, um, they all, they all produce tones and sounds in their own ways. And the way I like to work is by layering sounds together and mixing them together and, you know, to have the whitest palette, you know, think of them as different colors. I sat down with Tom and asked him about his process for creating this first piece of Psyched Audio. The way I work is really emotional. I just kind of got, I use my, my feelings to guide what I do. And, um, you know, I have worked before by making a map, you know, that might've been a different approach. Make a map, you know, start slow, build up have a denouement, you know, like a, like a story would or a novel. Mm -hmm. But um, for whatever reason, I chose, I didn't choose to work that way this time around. 
And I really like the idea of this being a springboard experience. You know, my part of it as the composer being a springboard experience into whatever world you choose to place yourself in. The idea is that it's silent disco act where you put on headphones and you are essentially at a rave and everyone's listening to the music, but it's not, if you take your headphones off, you can't hear a thing. And so that was the idea is you put your headphones on, you walk down a street where trick-or-treaters are doing their thing and you get to take in the sights, but you're bringing your own soundtrack. And that's what you provided. You provided the soundtrack for that. Yeah, well, so I, my piece is composed in three main parts, and the listeners probably can can discern that. You know, the first part uh, has some rhythmic elements, and it's pretty sparse going. The second part has, um, like I mentioned before, the really rich drone tone that builds and builds and builds, uh, along with that manipulated wind chime sound. And then the third piece is sort of like a coda on the first um where it contains similar elements, it's a little more developed. But each of those two, each of those three uh, segments are, you know, they're separated by undeveloped sound. I wouldn't say it's, I mean, undeveloped maybe is not the right word. You know, uh, Pauline Oliveros is a well-known electronic music composer who. Um, her big thing was called deep listening, where in everyday life, you can choose to pay more attention if you want to. I mean, some people call it mindfulness in a way, auditory mindfulness. And it's the idea that, you know, you can stop motion and slow down and just listen. And the world reveals this soundtrack to you that usually is obscured, you know, through your daily activities. So, yeah, to leave, you know, to leave the listener after a big crescendo of energy, hopefully to like open the eyes and say, well, what, where have I chosen to place myself and what, what sounds are there? You know, whether it's you're out in nature, you know, that's always a rich source of inspiration, but also banal, you could be on the bus, right? There might be a rhythm of the, the clacking road that you're on, right? That becomes interesting. Uh, it's not that interesting to listen to some, uh, you know, like something very developed all, uh, continuously. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's about highs and lows. It's about um, being present and letting go. It's about like kind of two, like working with the two extremes of any dimension, really. Not to get so deep, but, you know, it was really, you know, some of those moments might be a little intense for the listener, especially, you know, I employ with the rhythmic elements um, a lower tempo, but then um, there's like double time elements that come into play at the end of the first and third segments. So that's where the rhythm really picks up and it starts to get more energetic it's intentional to kind of leave you with a bit of a calm down period. It's, there's magic in, in leaving you with not under stimulation, but just, just more room to fill in the blanks yourself, right? right? So some of the more minimal parts are about that. 
Yes, sound is powerful. And we always talk about getting high and listening to music, right? Like those two things are like peanut butter and jelly. And so when I first thought about audio, I immediately, you know, I thought audio, audio, we want to have audio adventures. And then I started working with a videographer. (laughs) I started bringing (laughs) video into it. And it just distracted from wanting to tap into something inside of me that I didn't know was there versus looking at something and that directing me as to what my attention is, what I'm inspired by. Sounds are a little sneaky in terms of being inspired by them, right? Because you, it's almost like a smell. You don't know when a memory is going to be triggered, right? Based on something that you hear. And without a visual to say, yes, what you're feeling is true or not true because it looks like this or it comes from this, you're really left to your own devices to either um, trust that what you're hearing is safe or maybe somewhere deep inside you're suspicious of that sound, right? And it may, like I said, it could trigger something. Um, So focusing on sound, I felt would allow a listener, a person to really focus on themselves, right? We look at things all the time. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. And just to, like another comment on that is um, when we were discussing these journeys, I remember you saying for this one in particular, it's going to be Halloween time and you'd like for people to be able to go out on Halloween and, you know, taking the sights and the sounds and seeing what's going on around you. So, you know, I, I designed this piece to mix within that context So where it's not taking over your whole ear, you know, your ears completely, it leaves room for what's going on outside. And outside is where psyched audio is intended to take place. Because I was momming during trick-or-treating hours, my Halloween began after 9 p.m. I completed the journey Tom composed as I had programmed to be outside, take in the sights, choose psilocybin, and keep the dose on the low end of the standard dose range, three and a half grams. It was a school night, after all. A friend and I thoroughly chewed whole fruit bodies of mushrooms before swallowing and after close inspection to take in the oyster shell-looking fungi. We chose a strain called Avery's albino, which is a true albino strain, meaning its spores are even white, not really the blue cheese effect that I described in an earlier episode. And it's a strain of the Cambodian strain. So its potency is described as having a long-lasting physical high. (laughs) Yes, that is in fact true. It's a magical mushroom for experienced consumers due to its intense and quick come-up effects. What we experienced was a total derailment of our plans to go out and socialize after the audio-enhanced nature walk. The physical high was long-lasting. And in fact, it was like nothing I've experienced in a while. I was so relaxed that I couldn't stay vertical after a couple of hours of pretty cool visuals. And I had to be heavy. I had to lay my head. So it was the perfect scenario to take in Kiki's delivery service, which I almost finished before my curfew. And I have to say, I don't usually watch movies when I trip and I never watch cartoons, but I can usually motivate even when under the influence. And this was just like invasion of the body snatchers. I couldn't move, which was okay. But I think 
the idea was that we would go out and dance and I would not ever consume the strain with that in mind again. The effects of Avery's albino are described as users experience mood elevation, euphoria, and excitement within 10 to 30 minutes after use. Yes, definitely a fast onset. We absolutely felt the calm that comes over you and the like distorted sound, the source of sounds that gets distorted that you can experience when your high begins to take hold. Yeah, about 30 minutes in. Also affects, depending on your dosage level, you can experience mild to intense visual improvements. The visual improvements were tolerable, not too intense because I guess it was at the low end of the standard dose. What isn't listed here is that just as my body was heavy, so too were my thoughts. I'm a ninja at navigating the landmine of non-supportive thinking that can occur. But what I realized is that all my societal-related concerns were real and of real consequence. Thank goodness for the good-natured Kiki to bring levity to an intense internal dialogue. My takeaway is that the next time I need a higher dosage and lower expectations for my output. Just days prior, I'd interviewed Tom for this episode. I was able to intellectualize the audio because I was, in my head, referencing our conversation versus just deeply listening, which I had done several times um, prior to speaking with Tom. So for listeners, I would absolutely recommend listening to Journey One again after listening to this, you know, behind the music integration episode to see how it affects how you take in and think about the music while you're under the influence. The audio starts off with sounds from nature. And did you go out and record those sounds? (laughs) I did not. No, it was taken from a a person who spent a lot of time in the Brazilian rainforest. So that's what that's what those sounds are. And uh, I've never been to the Brazilian rainforest. You know, I know what our forests sound like. And this one's a little different. And I also use some, you know, compositional techniques to manipulate the sounds. You know, there's certain effects going on. So it's like augmented rainforest, mm-hmm. you know, a little mm-hmm. bit enhanced, I would say. So, yeah, I mean, I wanted it to have some familiarity but also to be different enough to where it made you think, okay, I'm like there's something else happening here. Right? No, it's brilliant, right? Because you knew you the inspiration was for people to be outside. So then to start with sounds that feel appropriate for being outside, even though the outside that we're in, which is very rainy, it is like a rainforest here, but not quite a Brazilian rainforest. Um the sounds may be different than what we would truly experience, but it feels, again, appropriate for being outside. There's certain kind of engineering and sound techniques that I found interesting when I was under the influence, mm-hmm. such as phasers. Manipulating time really is what it comes down to. And, you know, with electronics, with composing as an electronic musician, you can manipulate time in many different ways and many different uh scales. So for example, um, you know, you can reverse time, right? You can slow down time. You can uh, speed it up. So I was using nature, but 
employing those techniques to sort of augment nature in a way. You know, the, the second third of the piece has a growing, undulating, but really rich tone that starts low and it's... It's, we call it a drone. It, it starts low and it just rises and rises. And I knew I wanted to incorporate that technique because um, to me, it, it, it's like an inner reflection, but in a energetic and kind of self-reassuring uh, sound. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's hard to describe, but you know, I just find it very centering. It's the same tone. It's literally the same tone, like for about 10 minutes. But it changes a little bit. I feel like that's the part of the piece that reminded me of wearing a weighted blanket or being underwater. And you can hear people above the water when you're under the water. I remember having that sensation in the middle of the piece. I don't oh, know. that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Well, it is a very warm tone. Um, a lot of, you know, it's a little bit cliche in the audio world to say something's warm, but I, I find, I, I, you know, I mean that in the literal sense. I find it like this warm, reassuring, enveloping tone. And because it doesn't change, you can kind of just lose yourself in, in it. And it becomes... Uh, somewhat entrancing. So there's a part that has a wind chime sample that bends. It starts from nothing, it starts from zero, stasis, but then it starts moving slowly and then it gets, you know, it gets mm. faster. And then there's another technique I used in the piece that has to do with brainwaves, essentially. So this is all theoretical, first of all, but the idea is that um, tones and certain frequencies can induce brainwaves and there's several, several different states of uh, brainwave activity that can be clustered to the frequencies, you know, that, that the brainwaves have. This is an idea that you seeded with me, April. And um, to be able to accomplish that, you need precise control over the different frequencies involved. And not without getting too technical, a lot of the digital machines, they're based on, like, they're computer-based machines. You can control those frequencies very precisely. And stay tuned in a future integration episode when we'll further explore the effects of sound on brainwaves. And the final third of the piece that I composed, it starts off in the state, like not stasis, but a very low frequency. And then it brings you forward up, you know, from the, from the tranquil to the focused. And hopefully from that to like an energized place mm -hmm. and 
you know, I used a, a synthesizer. There's a continuous tone through that, that whole part. It's not completely obvious, but it's there. And the idea is it starts undulating very slowly, you know, and it builds through the piece. Mm-hmm. And it rises to a place where I was hoping it, it left the listener with inspiration and energy. So you may recall that the first, my first response to the piece was, it was really energetic and I felt like I needed to slow it down. And I think that's because that's what I ended with. It ended energizing me and you and I hadn't talked about, we hadn't had our, our tete-a-tete in terms of what inspired you and how you put it together and what outcome you wanted for the listener as they progressed all the way through to the end and where you wanted them to be when they were going there, where they ended up. So that's interesting to me because I forgot, right, about all the other two thirds of the piece. It was more like, oh shit, I chose the wrong medicine for this. I Maybe I should be doing something that is energetic and I should lean into that more. But really the idea was to get you there, regardless of what plant medicine you chose to consume, you were going to help facilitate an energetic finish no matter what. It's launching you, the springboard. Because it's 30 minutes, right? And as we know, most trips are longer than that. And so you really knew that if time was going to be, if it was, if it were going to be an abbreviated experience, then it, where did this come into the trip? I think you and I both agreed that you want to deal with technology in the beginning of your trip when you're not quite there versus trying to fumble through your phone and figure out how you're going to do this audio adventure when you are already definitely tripping. And if you'd like us to email you a menu and our recommendations for trusted plant medicine, message us at the email address listed in the show notes. Also in our show notes is more information on how to find our production partner for this series, Patchworks, either here in Seattle in real life or online. Thanks for listening to this episode of The High Guide and tune in every Friday for a new episode covering all things plant-based pleasures. Subscribe and follow wherever you listen to podcasts. And we don't just give good ear here at The High Guide. See us at our most funny on Instagram where you can find us at thehigh.guide and online at our website, thehigh.guide is where you'll find the best advice from all your high guides and where you can sign up for our newsletter. 